on page 835 in the Bibles under your chairs. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's my pleasure to get to speak to you on this Lord's Day. My name is Brett Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Christian Fellowship where we exist to glorify God. That's why we exist. And we do that through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. If you're a guest, a special welcome to you. Uh, We don't always dress up this nicely, so you're welcome to come back and see what we're really like. Uh, in the coming weeks, but we are taking a break from our study through Luke's gospel to listen to the disciple Matthew in these first 10 verses of the last chapter of his, uh, his gospel. So let me pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we're grateful for your goodness to us. We're grateful that death is not the end. We're grateful for our crucified Savior, but we're, we're grateful that the crucified Savior lives. And Lord, we need that power this morning. We need resurrection power to really believe. And we need resurrection power to live lives of hope and faith and repentance. And Lord, that is something I cannot give I can't even give it to myself, let alone these people. So I pray that you, in your wonderful love and mercy, that you would extend it to all the people here this morning, that none would leave without knowing the risen Savior. Amen. It is interesting to kind of dress up nice. This morning I was getting dressed and I was uh, advised, we'll say, to change my clothes. And... One thing I was doing is I was getting, I was putting on a belt that I normally don't wear. And I thought that, well, this is really interesting. I'll I'll wear my dad's belt. And what's really interesting about this belt that I'm wearing is that there is the factory holes in the belt. But if I put it in a factory hole, the belt would be either too loose or far too tight. But then I noticed something. There's a little hole punctured right between two of them that my dad put there. But I'm wearing my dad's belt. Why? 
because my dad can't wear it anymore. Why? Because he's dead. And the dead don't come back to life. I don't go looking for my dad anymore. I don't call my dad's phone number anymore. Because when people die, they stay dead. And when we hear stories about people coming back to life, we don't really believe that. But death intrudes into our world, it seems. We, when one preacher once said, it's like we're all living this life, and this life is this party, and we're all dancing around, distracting ourselves, and then all of a sudden some monster, maybe some giant snake comes in, grabs someone, hauls them out, and then they're gone forever, and we all just kind of act like nothing just happened. And that is life for everybody unless Jesus Christ rose from the dead. There's no hope. We just kind of distract ourselves and hope death stays away. But the question is, is that what we should believe? See, the Jews, and Matthew is writing to Jews, see, they have this rough idea that maybe there will be a resurrection someday. Maybe, maybe someday everybody who's dead will be raised. But they have no category for one man Jesus, someone who has died under a curse on a cross, why would he be raised? So they don't believe. But Matthew's writing to help them believe and help us believe. But what do we need to believe? We need witnesses. The reality is, is that I might dream about my dad. I might imagine seeing my dad. But the reality is, I don't. And nobody else does. But here's the thing, Jesus did rise from the dead and there were witnesses, multiple witnesses to help this Jewish audience and us believe. So that's the main theme and it's the main theme really of every Easter sermon and that is Jesus has risen from the dead. Believe, believe. That's the one thing you need to go away with. Believe, Jesus is raised from the dead. You don't have to take one guy's word for it either. Matthew records the words of a number of witnesses, of people from all walks of life in the spiritual universe. He tells us to believe multiple witnesses. So we're going to look at these witnesses. He tells us to believe the angel. There's an angel. We're meant to believe what he says. We're meant to believe the women that are at the tomb that we just read about. Believe the women. Then we're meant to believe Jesus himself. Jesus shows up here. We should believe him. And lastly, we'll look at why we should believe the disciples. So we're looking at four witnesses, categories of witnesses that we should believe and believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. So witness number one, cause for us to believe Jesus has risen from the dead. Believe witness number one, the angel. Believe the angel. The Bible is unapologetically supernatural. By the way, most people throughout world history, even today, are supernatural in some way. Even most, a high percentage of atheists pray. The Bible calls angels ministering spirits. They're sent by God to help his church, to help his people. So whenever there's an angel involved, God is up to something. God is at work. So let's read verses 1 through 6 and hear what one of those angels is up to. Now, after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. 
And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said, come see the place where he lay. We can be tempted to lump angels in with Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, things like that, but Matthew won't let us do that. He isn't telling a story here to entertain us. He's been directed by the Holy Spirit to record truth. And the angel in these events is seen by multiple witnesses, multiple women, at least two Marys, and actually we'll learn in other accounts, people who, who Matthew didn't feel the need to uh, list here, more women than that. And these angels are seen by multiple guards, multiple witnesses seeing this angel. And there's evidence that this angel is actually there. Not only can he be seen, he can be heard. He speaks, and he's able to do things to the physical environment. He's able to move stones, make the earth shake, so he can be felt, he can sit somewhere. This angel is real, and he wants these women to believe what they're seeing. He invites them to investigate. Come look, Jesus' body, not here. He's risen. He's risen. Don't you believe that? The tomb is empty. He's risen, we're told. And this isn't the wrong tomb. This isn't the wrong tomb, and this isn't a case of confusion. We're talking about the same Jesus, the angel says. The one who is crucified, that's the one. That's the one you're looking for, right? Yeah, he's not here. He's been raised. He was dead, but now he has risen. So there's an angel here. People saw it, felt its effect, heard it. And this angel is testifying that Jesus has risen from the dead. So believe, believe the angel. But he's not the only witness. That was witness number one. Witness number two. Witness number two. Believe the women. Believe the women. That's the second category of witnesses that should cause us to believe that Jesus really has risen from the dead. Let's read verses seven through nine. Then go, the angel says, quickly, and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. So these women are witnesses. They're human like us. They feel what we feel, fear, alarm, confusion at times. When they encounter a missing body and a living angel, they experience fear and excitement. I think we would too. And then they run into somebody. They run into Jesus. And they touch Jesus, his physical, once dead, now alive feet. And these women are chosen messengers. God chose them to tell this truth to others, to be witnesses, to tell the disciples what's going on. And this is interesting. It's been often said, maybe you've heard it before, that at this time in history, women weren't viewed very positively in Jewish settings. 
like Matthew's audience would be. They weren't really even allowed to testify in court as witnesses. Now, we're in a culture with much less sort of baggage like that, we think. We want to believe women. Believe these women. Their job is to tell people the truth. Believe them. Now, if you aren't here, if you are here, if you aren't here, you're not hearing me. If you are here and you aren't a Christian, have you ever wondered why? Really thought about it. Now, I don't know you, so I don't claim to read, be able to read your mind. But I'm just wondering, have you ever thought that it's possible? It might be possible that you don't believe in Jesus, you're not a Christian, because you're a chauvinist. You think men are trustworthy, but not women. That, yeah, you know, I, I, I listen to that male podcaster, listen to that male politician, I read that male author, but I don't believe what women say. Because here's women, right here, saying Jesus is alive. So why don't you believe them? Here are women. Now, I hope that's not the case. But it was the case for many people who read this originally. In the weeks, months, years afterwards, people said, well, we can't believe in Jesus. He wouldn't really be raised from the dead. Uh, You know, it was just those women who said that. But these witnesses, these women are worth believing. And they tell us to believe. Jesus has risen from the dead. Believe. Believe the angel. If you have trouble believing him, believe the women. But there are more witnesses. There's more witnesses telling us Jesus has risen from the dead. So believe. So let's look at witness number three. Believe Jesus. Jesus is the third witness. He's the third category. Believe him. Now, we often ignore Jesus as a witness to the resurrection because we're like, oh, come on, man. Like, it's him. How can he count as a witness? But in every court of law that's anywhere close to justice, they allow victims to testify. And we listen to them. And when biographers write biographies, they do want to know what the family members and eyewitnesses around them saw, but they also want to know what these people themselves actually did, actually saw and actually felt, what he experienced. Wondering if that person that they were writing the biography of saw things the same way. So let's listen to what Jesus says by beginning in verse 6 and then down to verse 9. We're told he's not here For he has risen as he said. So Jesus anticipated this. Come see the place where he lay. And then verses 9 and 10. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up, that's the women, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. So Jesus is his own witness here. He could have let the ladies just go on past. He could have turned his back, watched them walk by, but that wasn't what he was doing. That wasn't what his role was. He was witnessing to them and to us that he really is alive. He could have looked on in silence. He wanted people to know that he was alive. And he'd warned about this. He'd witnessed to this ahead of time. 
He was the all-knowing prophet. He told his followers he would die, but he told them they'd be, that he'd be raised from the dead as well, that he'd come out of the grave after three days like Jonah came out of the mouth of a fish. He told them, and here he is again. Believe him. One of my favorite things about being a parent is going to my children's sports events or uh, choir events or performances or things like that. And one of the, my favorite things to do, and this usually doesn't happen with my kids, but I see it with others, where you can see the little kid up there nervous beforehand. And he or she is kind of like pacing around, and you can see them. And they're looking out. People are trying to talk to them, and they're ignoring And they're looking out. Where is, where is he? He said he'd be here. He said he, said he was going to get off work early to make sure he was here. They start to get a little worried. And then all of a sudden, I'll be watching, and then somebody over here, you can see, he sees his kid doing that. All of a sudden, he stands up. He steps out into the race course for a second, or stands up in the audience and says, and you see the kids light up. It's, it's I'm here, I'm here. You see me, right? And the reason why I'm showing myself to you, so you know I love you. So I love you. You see me, right? Well, that's what Jesus is doing. He's showing them he's gone into the grave, but that he's come out of it. He says, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I was tortured. Yeah, I was dead. Yeah, it made sense that you were weeping. But look, I'm here. I love you. Believe. And notice these women's response when Jesus witnesses to himself. They fall down. They grab a hold of his feet. So this is not a spiritual vision or a mirage. This is a real living, graspable body. So this is a physical resurrection. And they worship him. That's what you do when you meet the living God. You worship him. That's what sets Jesus apart from my father and grandfathers and grandmothers and friends. They've died and stayed dead, but not this Jesus. And that's why he's worth worshiping him. Now, some of us might think, you know, think about this. Jesus probably did rise from the grave. When I think about it that way, that's true. And you know what? That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. You know, and it's great to come uh, cut to church a couple times and think about that. And it's great to go home and, I don't know, the master's final round is on today. And it's cool, you know, Jesus is alive. That's, that's a nice thing. Um, oh, but I got to get back to work tomorrow morning and it's that big project and... But see, if that's your attitude, you don't really believe the way the Bible calls belief or faith. Because when you really believe, you worship Jesus and you bend your life around Jesus. You do what he says, you go where he goes. And here's the amazing thing, when you believe that way, you find satisfaction. You find joy. Your life becomes worth living, as we just sang. You find the one that you really, that's really worth worshiping. 
because all those other things aren't. Jesus has risen from the dead. Believe. If you want a supernatural witness, you got one. You got an angel. If that's not good enough for you, you want a common, commoner, everyday sort of person, you got the women. Believe the women. If you want the testimony of God himself, you've got a witness. You've got Jesus saying, I'm alive. Believe. I've risen from the dead. He received worship here and in the gospel, so he must be divine. But these aren't the only witnesses. There's another category of witness. Witness number four, believe the disciples. Believe the disciples, the learners. That's really what disciple means, the followers. Look with me at verse 10. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. This is speaking to the women. Go and tell my brothers, the disciples, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now skip down a little bit. Leave your Bibles open and go down to verses 16 and 17. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. You see, Matthew is one of those 11. He wrote this down because he's one of the disciples. He's telling us the disciples believed the women. He went where they told him to go, where Jesus told them to go, which meant in this case, they believed Jesus. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him. They believed. But at this point, very honest of Matthew to say, not all of them. Some of them doubted for a little bit. Most of them, but some doubted. But in the end, even the doubters attested to the fact that what we really saw was Jesus. It really was him there. We were, we were in Galilee. We saw him. We actually followed him for 40 days. And you know what? We're willing to die for that. And you know what the rest of the world said to them? I'm glad because we're going to kill you because you believe that and teach that. That's a level of faith most of us don't really have. They're willing to die for their testimony, their role as witnesses. Eleven men from different walks of life, eleven of them. All of them were learners and students, but if you go on, there's more. You read Luke 24, you got this guy Cleopas and somebody else, they're walking to Emmaus. Oh, there's Jesus. Wow. Started tearing that bread and we knew it was him. Or you see the Apostle Paul riding on his donkey, knocked off, sees him. Jesus' brother, James, didn't believe in Jesus while he was alive, his half-brother. Afterwards, believes in him, sees him. And the list could go on. They believed. So the evidence in the witnesses, they're piling up. The events are growing in number. It's mounting. It's, this isn't one nut out there saying they saw a chupacabra or a Bigfoot or a jackalope. It seems like these are common but reasonable men who saw Jesus Christ even when they weren't sure they could believe what they saw. Jesus has risen from the dead. Believe. Believe the angel. Believe the women. Believe Jesus. Believe the disciples. But now our response. 
maybe a fifth category if you're writing notes down, a response. Here's an interesting thing. Believe and you will see. Believe and you will see. Believe and you will see. Let's read verses 7 and 10 again. Then go quickly, the angel says, and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to, to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. Now, verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The disciples had to believe a little bit ahead of time before they could see. They had to go where Jesus told them to go if they were really going to see him. They wanted to. They had to take a trek to the north, to Galilee, some mountain where Jesus had warned them at a time and said, if you go there, you'll see me. You will. Now, this event was a one-time event. Jesus is not standing on a hilltop in Galilee waiting for anyone in the year 2023 to show up and like, oh, okay. That's not quite the way we can apply this. But the principle is the same. When you believe Jesus, you believe he is who he claims to be, that he really is truly God and truly man, that he really was crucified as a substitute for sinners, that he really was buried, that he did that to exhaust the wrath of God for sins, that he did that to, for, to promise eternal life to those who would believe. When you believe that is your only and final hope for this life and the life to come, there's a promise that you will see him. You will see him. Either when he returns or when we meet him the moment we, when we die. Now for believers, we're told, that, we're told that when we see him, we'll be like him. Pure of heart, full of joy, passing victoriously through death, even as we're buried in the ground physically. But believers are not the only ones who will see Jesus. Everyone will see Jesus. But some of us won't really want to. Believers are seen by Jesus as no longer sinners, but as saints. No longer just random people, but as brothers, as we read here. But there are those that don't believe in Jesus will meet him as enemies and sinners. He'll be a terrifying judge. Nina Simone, the great jazz and blues singer of the last century, sings biblical truth when she records this, um, this amazing song that's an old African-American spiritual. It says like this, Oh, sinner man, where are you going to run to? Sinner man, where are you going to run to all on that day? Will I run to the rock? Please hide me. I run to the rock. Please hide me. I run to the rock. Please hide me all that day. She's basically rehearsing what the Bible says. When Jesus returns, we want to hide under the mountains in the rocks. But the rock cried out, I can't hide you. The rock cried out, I can't hide you. The rock cried out, I ain't going to hide you, guy, all on that day. So you will see Jesus. You will be forced to believe. But you'll either do it with joy or with terror 
and the rocks won't hide you. And that means there's an eternity of torment in hell. Or it can be like the women and the disciples, joy. See, the key difference here is not seeing or believing, because it's both. What matters is the order. When you believe first, then when you see Jesus, it's joyful. It's, yes, my Savior, he did defeat death. I knew it. My life was worth, worth living. Hooray. The embarrassment, the ridicule I got, meaningless. Or you can see first and then believe. But when you see him first without believing, then it's, I should have known better. I should have listened. I should have prayed. See, if your believing comes before seeing, it's good news. If your seeing comes before believing, it's terror. But today is Easter. It's meant to be a day of joy. So live that way. Believe today. Pass into new life in Christ today. Don't put it off. You can be like the women. Be like the disciples. And when you do, here's the amazing thing. You gloriously pass into a new world. You'll wake up. You'll look the same. You'll still wish you had more hair. But you know what? Life is worth living. It's a brand new world for you. It's glorious. It's enchanted. See, so many of us, it's just life is so mundane. We love to turn on the TV and hear these stories that excite us. But we live in actually an enchanted world with angels. And when you believe in Jesus, guess what? In eternity, where you're just like, hey, <laughs> that's old Frederick, the angel. You know, he's a good guy. He's got some good stories. You should get to know him. Oh, I will. I've got eternity to talk to Frederick. But that'll be nothing. That excitement will be way more exciting than seeing our dead loved ones. More exciting than that will be seeing the living God, Jesus, raised from the dead, alive, knowing him. That relationship you always wanted with your father that fell apart. You'll have God as your father, perfect relationship forever. That joy you wanted, that you want it to come out from within, you don't want it forced on you. You'll be full of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will stir up joy in you. You'll think about God, and you won't be able to stop praising. That'll be yours. That friend, the friend who will really get you, that you can go to and say, Boy, I, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this, and I'm not sure how you'll respond. You might not want anything to do with me. You'll have that friend. It'll be the risen Jesus, and he'll say, of course I know. Of course I love you. Of course you're secure here. I've defeated death for you. This isn't going to drive me away. can have a life of beauty and truth and goodness. A couple years ago, there was a woman in Singapore, she sent this recording to an animal welfare group and said, uh, basically, could you listen to this? I think there might be a cobra in my bedroom. So she pulls out her phone and records it. They send it. 
the, the people listening there are like, wow, yes, you know what? That does sound like a cobra. In fact, it sounds like a venomous spitting co- black spitting cobra. Kind of like that big snake of death that comes in and grabs people and takes them out. Like, get out of the room. Get out of the room there. We'll, we'll be on our way over. The people come. Here they come. They're investigating in this bedroom, and they can hear it. They're looking all over for almost an hour, and they can't find it. Sure seems like death is in that room. And then all of a sudden, one of the fellows, he reaches down, and he finds something, and he pulls it out, and it's an electric Oral-B toothbrush. And it was malfunctioning. There's water in there, and it made these sounds, and it sounded, at first he's like, no, this couldn't be it, and then he turned it off and on again, and sure enough, you see, that's the good news for us when you believe that cobra, that anaconda of death that's going in and sucking people out of the room, and we don't know what else to say, and we inherit their clothing, and we wonder if it's meaningless. You see, Jesus busted the fangs on the cobra. When you believe, the cobra of death becomes an electronic toothbrush, and you win because Jesus won. So believe. Believe today. Jesus has risen from the dead. Believe. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that Jesus took the poison of death that we deserve. That was for our sins. And Lord, we pray that we would therefore obey the command to not be afraid. That we would obey the command to believe and to go where we're told to go. We would live new lives. Lord, we pray that nobody here would be self-deceived. We pray that everyone who hears this morning would actually be a worshiper. They would really examine their lives and say, am I worshiping Jesus? And if they're not, we pray you would give them new life and help them to do that. Help me to be gracious in any counsel that comes afterward. Help help all of us to love one another and help one another believe, not just today, not just tomorrow, but forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.